You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies that actors were. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie, and this episode is hosted by Ryan. We are pleased to present to you two incredible artists in the entertainment industry. One is a showrunner, the other is a comedian and actor. First up is Reggie Rock Bythewood. He is the TV showrunner and creator of the Apple TV series Swagger, and he is back with Black Girl Nerds to talk about season two. The multi-hyphenate is the creator of this series, which was inspired by NBA superstar Kevin Durant's youth basketball experience. Bythewood began his professional career writing for the hit comedy series A Different World, where he met his future wife, Gina Prince Bythewood. Years later, after attending the Million Man March, he wrote the script for his first produced screenplay, Get On The Bus. Bythewood also co-created and executive produced the acclaimed event series Shots Fired, produced by 20th Television and Imagine Entertainment. So he's on our show to talk about season two of Swagger. And that segment is hosted by Ryan. In our second segment, we welcome actor Sashir Zamata. Sashir is releasing her second comedy special, Sashir Zamata, The First Woman. Several themes are touched on, such as sex, women being familiar with and confident in their bodies, being black in America, watching porn, cars with eyelashes, periods, and did we mention sex? Sashir will be seen next alongside Katherine Hahn and Agatha, Coven of Chaos, Marvel's upcoming WandaVision spinoff series for Disney+, and has been seen in Hulu's Woke. This segment is also hosted by Ryan. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this two-part episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast featuring TV showrunner and creator Reggie Rock Bythewood and comedian and actor Sashir Zamata. And just a quick production note, Sashir Zamata's interview was recorded before the SAG-AFTRA actor strike. So just an FYI on that. Welcome to the Black Gunners Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And listen, it's time to get your swagger up. It's time to get some swagger. If you feel like you ain't got it right now, get a little extra boost because, you know, I feel like we got the swag kink himself on this podcast. And I'm so excited because you guys, if you are not watching, I know there's a lot going on right now, but I got to pump this show real quick. Swagger, you guys, is on. I have to say it's on Apple, so you know where to find it. But I wanted to, I was so excited to talk to um, director, he's multi-hyphenated director, executive producer of director um, Reggie Rock Blythewood is with us today, showrunner, because this show, you guys, like, I don't even know how to put it in like one word about how inspirational it is and how moving it is, you know, being part of the Black culture, 
you know, for young, especially if you're talking about young people growing up in a day and age where you're like, you're fighting with like, what kind of black history is going to be shown in schools, you know, just dealing with like romance and all that kind of stuff. This show has so many um, avenues you could take. And you think it's just about basketball. When you first turn it on, you think it's all about basketball. What goes on the court? If you've seen season one, we're talking about season two. So let me do a warning just before we get into it. Cause by the time you get this episode, the season finale will be out. You've had plenty of time to watch it, but I just like to warn everybody just in case, cause I'm a fan too. So pause us, come back. If you haven't watched like all of season one, all of season two, if you haven't binged it, cause we will be talking spoilers. Uh, with Mr. Reggie himself. But first, before I really get into it, because I'm about to fan your heart, because I love this show. Um, Reggie, how you doing, sir? Um, I'm really great. And um, just, um, you know, excited to talk to you, Ryan. Um, I mean, you guys have been such great supporters of the show and, and culture. And so um, just happy to be here with you. Yeah, I was, I couldn't believe when I got the email, I was like, absolutely yes. Because we got, um, you guys, um, before the strike, we got to talk to um, Chanel, who plays... Um, Jenna, which I definitely want to ask you about that too, because that's a character that's got a lot of people on both sides, which she right. plays it so well that people are just conflicted. They're like, do we like right. the mama bear? Or do we not? So we definitely going to yeah. dive into that to talk about that. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, when she, when you read, when I got the email, I was so excited to talk to you. Um, and I just kind of want to rewind for a little bit. If you'll tell us for people that don't know, where did like, just talk about the original concept. Like we know uh, Kevin Durant was kind of one of the inspirations, one of the executive producers, but what, because it's like I said, it's so much more than just basketball and, right. you know, but you're dealing with so many issues in these young people's lives. Kind of tell us about like how you started and, and what was your like frame of mind coming in? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I got a call from Imagine Entertainment at the time and um, Ron Howard, Brian Grazer's company, and they had met with KD and, 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 and KD and his business partner, Rich Kleiman, had an idea of doing a series um, inspired by his, you know, sort of grassroots basketball days, you know, when he was like 14 years old. And so, um, you know, I wasn't really sure if this was the thing I wanted to do, but, you know, at the time he was in Golden State. So I flew out, I was in LA, flew out to Golden State, sat with him. And I, I think what was interesting in hearing his story um I really started to like see a canvas for a story that could be about basketball, but really about growing up mm. and really about growing up in America, yeah. you know, growing up black in America, growing up. And, and, and I did want to diversify the cast, which is actually like authentic to the team that he played on. And so um, that's really where, where it started. Um, but it was also very important that if we use elements of his life as a launching pad, because I, I did want it to be a contemporary story because there's so many things that have changed, you know, social media being one of them, you know, in terms of the way elite young athletes are moving through the world. Um, so that's really, um, that's really how it jumped off. And I, I like you talked on the social media aspect because I love how you use that in the show. Because mm. as a fan, when you're watching it, you want to kind of pause and see like what everybody comments are, because that's how we're kind of functioning now. Like you're ready for that like, for like how you're taking off on the internet. Are people liking that jump shot you did? Do they like the decision you made with who you're dating? You know, but you're supposed to be focused on like school and playing right. the sport, but you right. want to know what everybody else's thoughts of you are. But I mean, you know, that's the, the thing, right? It's funny, like usually when you see a sports narrative and there's a basketball game, like you, you focus, you hear the announcer's voice yep. and it's the announcer's voice that's sort of like leading you through 
some of the story points of the game. And I just thought, like, wow, it'd be really fun to just have social media leaders through the game. Mm-hmm. So, so that's 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 a big part of it, and and just really, really wanting to suggest whether it's about basketball, whether it's about music, whether it's about social issues, and especially about social issues. I really just want to hold the mirror up to society right now and reflect what's what's going on with with um, you know, these young people growing up. Yeah, and you really get that. Like as soon as you start off, and we'll kind of get an agenda with this part here. Um, place so, like we said, play so wonderfully by um Chanel, but um Azoro, but she 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 starts off as a mama bear, and I thought what was so cool about seeing her in season one is she has him doing push ups. He's running right. like it's not just like okay, I'm gonna get you to school and you just go ahead and do your job. Do your thing. she was like, I'm gonna make sure I'm there every step of the way right. to make sure you're trained, you're fit, like you're you're gonna be the supreme athlete, you know, because we need to get out of the situation that we're in. You know, she's a single mom and she's fighting and she's like, look, I have a goal for you. We know how we're going to reach this goal. We're going to stay focused, you know, as you know, yeah. and stay driven. And sometimes people can confuse that message. They're like, well, are, is she using her son to get out of that situation? You know what I mean? Right. But, you know, and, and by the way, it, it, it's art. So people can bring whatever they yep. bring to Right. Right. From my point of view, the person mm-hmm. that created the character. Yeah. I don't think she's doing it to get out of her situation. Yeah. I think she's going to do whatever she can to make sure her kid doesn't fail. Mm-hmm. And that's her blind spot. Part of the thing that makes her great and part of the thing that makes her flawed. I think if he wanted to be, if his passion was chess, if his passion, passion was the violin, she would be all in. She's not going to let her, her son who's being raised without pops around be a statistic like that's her her, that's her fear we see her fear is like is it gonna be a gangster is it gonna be a racist cop is it gonna be a really bad coach so she's really driven by helping her son reach his dreams and and it helps her be flawed but but it's not like he's her meal ticket yeah and I think one of the things too that I kind of identify with that that's I'm not a mom, but with my mom, everything like every little thing you tell them or everything that doesn't seem in place, you know, even at even at my grown age, she's like, well, what can I do to fix it? Or did have you thought about this? Have you like I feel like Jenna's always problem solving for you know to figure out the next step. So I think some people think, okay, well she did this and she's got her business side over here, so this is how we're gonna you know like she's kind of framing yeah. it a certain way to help herself. But she's always thinking about, you know, Jace put himself in the situation. How, what can I do that's going to make it, you know, that's going to make it better. And some people may not agree with that. Yeah. And and by the way, and I'm not even making a comment on whether or not it's right or whether or not it's wrong. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I will say it's authentic. I will tell you. I mean, just think about it. It's like this 14 year old dude wants to be in the NBA. Like you, like how competitive that is Mm -hmm. like how much hard work you have to do just to be good yeah and what you're trying to be great (laughs) you know so she takes that point of view and so um so i think that's a big part of it i think that wanda durant was on kd quite a bit so like one of the points of inspiration got from kevin's life was that hill miss wanda had kd running up that hill yeah <laughs> that, the hill moments i feel like are classic or iconic in this because every time right. he's going through something she's like nope push harder go harder right did you, did you right. meet your time that day yeah 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 and 
And, you know, as you mentioned, Chanel Lazaro plays Jenna. And um, I just think she's such an amazing actress. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's also fun to be able to see it from season one to season two to see how her character evolves. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like a lot of the people that were not checking for her in season one are like <laughs> loving her in season two. So it's really fun to be able to, you know, have a show where you can just like take time to sculpt this character and, and see them as, as, you know, even as adults, even as adults mature. Now, I thought one for, speaking of like adults mature, and I thought one for part that you did in season two that I thought was really cool was giving her, a, a you know, having her go out on dates and trying mm. to see like what Jace's were like. Because I think, um, um, I'm trying to think of now, what the, for her daughter, I know her daughter's off at college yeah. right now. Yeah, Jackie's at Howard. Yeah, so Jackie's out for now. So she doesn't really have, I don't think she would say too much though, because she was trying to see, set her up with like a dating profile. So I don't think she, right. I think she knew eventually her mom was going to move on and try to be happy and find a thing. But it was interesting to see what Jace was going to say. Like, is he going to be forward? Is he going to try to say something about it? Because he doesn't really know the guy. So I thought right. it was very like well done. How you kind of gave us like a little bit of a hint of like, you know, her st- her trying to start having a dating life. But him having his own thing going on in a way where it's kind of like, well, what is he going to say? You know, he kind of has his own worries going on right now. Right. And, and I think that's part of the fun is to really like see them in season one where, you know, Jace is 14 years old and now seeing mm-hmm. him in season two where he's, you know, uh, 18. And, yeah. and you know, it's it, there. There's just organically a shift when they grow. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That was great to kind of watch his, his face and reaction. Like, mm, right. I mean, I might right. say something, but I probably don't need to say nothing. So I'm just going to keep moving. So I thought you know, that was a cool thing. Yeah. There's like a whole bunch of people on social media because, you know, right now, as we're, as we're doing this interview, yeah. the um, seventh hour of the show in season two hasn't, hasn't dropped yet. Yeah. So you know, that's the one where so many people are like predicting that, um, Jenna is going to walk in on Jason and Crystal, you know? So sort of I, funny got the, that, I thought that. that. I would say I thought that too. Right. I was nervous yeah. for him. I was like, oh, no, I don't know. I don't want right. to see it if she walks right. in. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, where it, it, it was actually the opposite, you know, is Jace yeah. rolling up like mom's is, is doing her thing. So that's, yeah. that's kind of, yeah. I was like, yeah, they had fun with that. What kind of mix it in that scene to kind of mix it up? Because right. you definitely thought, like, everybody thinks you're going to have that one moment where your mama, like, she's out of town. You thought it was cool. Right. And then it's like, but then you're like, well, it's Crystal. So he grew up. You know, everybody right. knows he has this big kind of crush on Crystal. And, see, mm-hmm. and speaking though that you brought in Crystal, I got to talk about, because mm-hmm. you'll see it on Twitter. I guess it might be X now or, you know, whatever, whatever we're calling it, Instagram and everything. Um, it's like a, it feels like a love and basketball thing between the two of these two, but we know mm. it's a, it's a twist. Cause it's a, it's a twist on it because we're watching them kind of evolve and grow up through these different parts of their lives. So you like, do they really understand love? You know, have they figured out what they want to do with their future? So it's a different kind of feel to it, you know, mm. where it almost feels like a 2.0. Well, I mean, look, the reality is on paper, the most central relationship is Jason Ike. Yeah. It's this father's son that thing. That is true. Yeah, yeah. But the audience is leaning into this other thing. Like, <laughs> like sometimes the audience is telling you, but this is, and 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 I think the audience is very much connected to the Jake's Ike relationship. And clearly, yeah. uh, I don't know, something with having these two seasons up together, people are just really tracking the Jace Crystal thing. And I mean, it's just taking a life of its own. So yeah, that was, yeah. or, quite frankly, that was never the intent. 
um, definitely want, you know, uh, definitely was very interested in exploring the Jay's crystal relationship, but I did not anticipate the emotional fervor that was going to be behind it from a, from yeah. an audience point. And it's, just, it's fun. It's amazing to see. And then also just because Isaiah and Quivenjane, they're great friends. Yeah. So they post so many things about them. So it like, you know, with, with each other. So it just takes a life of its own. And, and I don't know if you've seen it, but like so many fans, like we call our real fans, by the way, we don't even call them fans. We call them, you know, swagger ballers because they're oh, out there nice. yeah, cutting yeah. up like editing videos and montages of, of Jason, Crystal, Isaiah, <laughs> and Quivenjane. And, yeah. you know, they just running with it. Well, Isaiah and Convision, they do, and you know, credit to you as well, and, and the writers on the team, other writers on the team, um, because it's done so well where it's such a mature relationship, you know, for the age that they're at. And I think that is so right. cool to watch and unfold. And I think that's kind of what, you know, saying that you say you can take anything. This show has so many different layers and so many avenues that the fans could go anywhere with it. But it's right. like to stay on that train, I think for me, I know what pulled me in was it's such a mature level. Because even with them talking about, you know, like whether they go to like a certain, you know, where they're going to go to college together, you know, she was, I feel like neither one of them are never like, okay, I'm going to take this dream away from you. They're always like, look, we love, you know, we have a certain way that we feel about each other, but let's try to, you know, we're going to try to figure it out. We now at this point where we know what's going on, you know, he protected her when it seems like, you know, the adults, nobody was really paying attention to what was going on. He was there to protect her, her 24 hour person which I right. think is really like, you know, which is so cool that I think, I bet you that's what really drove everybody in. I was like, come on now, you gonna mm. have a 24 person. It's like where you really think about that relationship, even though, you know, Jace has Ike and that's another 24 person in his life where you said that's another right. relationship that this show is building off of. But I think that was just so well done the way um, uh, Crystal and Jace are played out. But I do want to kind of transition that we've touched on a little bit um, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Isaiah Hill, so fantastic to watch them on camera. They have such an amazing chemistry and relationship. Can you talk a little bit about that, that relationship between, because to me, this shows a different side of a coach and a player and the way he's able to kind of follow Jace around, you know, in a sense, not like he was trying to, right. but the way things are lining up. Well, yeah, and but also like Brian, just even your question speaks to, you know, I said before we started, I almost want to interview you because, you know, you keep referencing the relationships. And yeah. like one of the things that's just been really interesting to track, I mean, you know, we have um, a lot of, you know, different types of people, different demographics mm -hmm. watching the show, but black women are championing this show like on a level that I don't think anybody saw coming. Like y'all are like holding it down. Yeah. And, and you just think about it, like even you think about the trailer or whatever, it's, 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 a, it's a basketball player and we're and the marketing focuses on a basketball player and his mm -hmm. coach. And I'm sure the marketing was like, you know, guys, 18 to 35. <laughs> yeah. And y'all came in and said, this is ours. Yep. yep. And so part of me is like, you know, like, like wow, like, like what? Like what was hitting that's making y'all just take ownership of this show in like such a way, like the way that some people are, are, are you know, our swagger ballers are promoting yeah. the show. They're not, 
they're not just like, hey, I'm watching it. They're like, I'm watching it and you need to watch it. Just yeah. as you know, said. so maybe it is. So I, I'll answer your question, but then you got to answer mine of just, I got you. Yeah, me yeah, yeah. In, you know, because so, yeah. So with, with Jason, Ike, I mean, in many ways, it is like a father son relationship. But but Jace, Ike needs Jace as much as Jace needs Ike. Like, I, like, like Jace needs to get his he's got to get to the finish line he's got to get to reach his dream and he's aspiring to get into the nba mm-hmm. and and i is really seeking redemption and if he's able to help jace carson cross the finish line you know that's helped him you know um overcome the obstacles that he faced in his life yeah now, okay, I got you on this one. To answer your question, I think what it was for me was, I think it's all of those relationships together and to show, mm-hmm. like, it could be, you know, my friends from back in the day. It could be, like, mm-hmm. my family. And every time, I feel like sometimes there's a certain stigma on the way Black people, the way Black culture, the way certain things are handled. And I feel mm-hmm. like this show does a very good job of confronting what the issue is, but there's right. nobody tearing each other down to get their right. point across that I think what really resonated with me. Like I like, I like you'll hear, um, you know, if Ike and Jace have a disagreement, which they did in the first season, because Ike was dealing with something personal that that basketball court brought out in him and he wasn't mm-hmm. ready to share it. They were like, okay, you know what? We're going to separate our ways, but he never, I never felt like it was disrespectful the way they handled mm-hmm. each other while they were trying to figure it out, you know, cause right. Jace is going to be Jace. I mean, you know, he's like the all-star player. You know, he was trying to get his mm-hmm. shots up, not really listening to the plays, but it was still this mutual thing. Like, we need to get to this national championship. Like, everybody yeah. has a lot riding on this championship. And I think for me, that's what stuck out to me because I was tired of seeing, oh, and you know, shout out to the shows that want to do it because, you know, sometimes you got to show a different angle, but you don't always want to see the fighting to get mm-hmm. to the resolution. And, you know, right. you don't always want to see like the doom and gloom. So I think that to me is what resonated with me. Well, that makes sense because, I mean, I mean, like clearly, you know, there's conflict between our characters and right. the drama, but there's an undercurrent in our storytelling, which yeah. is the urgency of community. Exactly. And yeah. that's really, you know, that's like a real, you know, big thing that we are are pushing in our narrative is just just the importance of community and how mm-hmm. we're stronger as a community. And so you know, if that's um, resonating, I'm happy because it's just really a, a big part of what I wanted to have come across. Yeah, it's just it's showing so many layers. That I think even though we have so we got Black Panther, we got everything you can think of that's out there, you know, that we keep trying to push this narrative. But I think until you have more shows like this that show it's different layers, it's different layers to our families, different layers to Black love, it's different layers to um, that I want to talk to you about now. That And, you know, Phil, if you want me to um, to to rain on this as well too, but this is one thing I thought was cool. You're showing the aspect of black students having to, you know, go into some of these. Um, if you, you know, air quotes, if you want to call it like a white school or a school that's on a better side of the neighborhood that might not get as many resources as you know some of the black neighborhoods would get. And you're showing how difficult that is. You can even take that into like some of the workplaces we have to deal with. And right. you're talking about. How do you navigate that situation by staying true to yourself, not changing to yourself, knowing that you're enough, knowing that you're beautiful? Because you took it all the way down to the little kid they had in daycare, you know, her dealing with it. And I think that's just like, for me, that was something where I was like, I can't believe we're getting all of this 
And it, like, you know, we keep saying it was supposed to be about these kids playing basketball, you know, what you think on the surface level, right. but you're getting all of this in this season. Right. I mean, you've heard me say it before. And, you know, and, and again, this is like our mantra for the show. Get your audience at the edge of their seat and yeah. want to lean forward, hit them with the truth. And so that's how we're going to just keep going down, keep swinging for that, because, um, yeah, we want you to be entertained and we take mm -hmm. great pride in the basketball. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. We know that the basketball is, 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 you know, presented in a way that we've never seen before. And that's really, really important to us. But yeah, at the end of the day, it is, um, you know, we definitely have something to say. Yeah. And, um, and even like what's going on in the country right now, you know, and then this, that law, like in, in Miami, like, like they're trying to, like they're, like the way that they want, you know, slavery, slavery to be taught now, yeah. you know, it's like they really want to make stress all the benefits that black people have gotten from slavery. Like, like really, like, is that, right. is that really yeah. where we are right now? Exactly, is that what we're yeah. doing? And so now you don't want Toni Morrison on the library shelf in school. And, 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 and it's just ridiculous, you know, and we right. know that um, our culture is as, as, uh, as vital to the fabric of this country as any other culture, you know? And so to, um, you know, see how a lot of our youth are under attack, um, you know, has to weave its way into the storytelling. You know, the thing is too, like when you think about these books and the education, like that's not even just good for black kids. That's good for white kids. Yeah, yeah. And like, like that's history, you know? And you, you know, and, and so like the, the, the it's, it's a threat to tell the truth. And so, um, so yeah, we definitely, you know, found ways to organically have it come up in our narrative and, you know, really blessed to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And I like, cause you'll have, um, like, you know, you have the character of Drew Murphy, um, you know, you have a lot of the principles and stuff that they're dealing with now at Cedar Cove, you know, the heads that they're dealing with now that, um, you know, they're, now they're having to the answer for, you know, is this curriculum okay? You know, how do I function around? Like, you know, if I'm in, if I'm immersed in this black community and this black culture, what am I taking away from it? So, you know, yeah. we're focused on, we're saying a lot about the black community, but like you said, any race can watch the show and you're going to find something out. Like the character of Nick, you're going to find, he's fighting to be on the Puerto Rican national scene. Like anybody can watch the show and you're going to identify with that struggle in the way that they're going, you know, the way they're going about it instead of, you know, they're not always taking a negative path. They got to go through some stuff to get there, you know, mm -hmm. but they're showing you the way that they have to battle and they have to fight. And, you know, and at the end of the day, they have this common love of basketball, which I think is so cool that they come back to the fact of like, this is where they feel like they could be one, where they can relax, where stuff from the world falls away, you know, after they deal with the issues at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I think that's also the thing that feels special here. You know, it's like they, they have a common love of basketball, but it's the common love for each other. Mm -hmm. You know, they really have built this brotherhood, you know, and really become family. Um, obviously the relationship with Jason Crystal special and it is it is really nice to see um you know while they have their share of conflicts to really get to a point where it doesn't feel like these relationships are toxic but these relationships empower them to just go on and you know reach their goals now we haven't focused a lot on the basketball per se but i am curious to know are there drills are there like basketball drills and everything running with the boys on set with the guys yeah. on set like are they <laughs> 
Yeah, well, so first of all, before we start shooting, it's like, you know, we have like a little mini camp going on nice, where they're yeah. working on the game. So we have a really great trainer, um, a guy named Reggie Wallace. And um, and then there's a company called Game Change Films, which mm-hmm. they do choreography for me. So like we're always kind of running them to work on their plays. And some people came in with like crazy game, you know, so like Isaiah Hill and um, Jason Rivera, who plays Nick, like they come in like real elite ball players. And so we also spent a lot of time giving them acting training. And then we have some of our actor first guys, you know, and we spent a lot of time giving them basketball training. So, um, so yeah, so they, they're, they're, you know, they're definitely, you know, there's always like, we do a thing, they basically throughout the week, they're practicing the choreography of basketball. And then like on a Saturday or Sunday, they show me and whoever is directing that particular hour of the show. It could be me, it could mm-hmm. be Cherry, Nigella, uh, Katina Medina. So whoever is directing it, um, you know, we take a look at the choreography and we give our notes and then we figure out how to shoot the bad boy, you know? And the, the sort of like anchor for the way that we shoot it is you know we 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 got my guy on rollerblades and the camera, and 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 that's how we shoot it. Yeah. The reason really makes us feel like we're a part of the action and not like yeah. spectator. Yeah, that's so cool, and you can tell it because it does like you find yourself cheering. I'm telling you, for people that have not checked out this show, it pulls you in in a way like you said. You could tell it so even if it's the way the movement of the camera, the way you use right. social media when you're talking about these games. You're cheering on for them to win the game like it's not a, you know, not not like it's not a planned out story, you mm-hmm. know, like you're you're thinking we're you're like we're in the throes of like an actual basketball game. You're like, he's going to make the three. Is he not going to make the three? Is the scout going to get up? Is he not going to notice him? You're like you're in this act like you're actually watching this NBA game because you get mm-hmm. so invested in these players and wonder if it's going to work out. And like you said, the way you guys shoot it, like you're following right. the action going back and forth you know, on the camera, like one minute you're looking over here, you're like, okay, Nick missed that. Where's Jace? You know, the way you're right. following the, the action is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's been really fun to do that and to kind of reinvent the way, you know, basketball is shot in cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I just feel like for us, like our greatest achievement basketball-wise was, was the fifth one that we did in season two. It's called Are We Free? Yeah. And that's the one detention center and you know i don't know if you notice ryan but you see that game like the entire game i shot is all in one shot so like there's not one edit there's not one cut it's all one shot um i never actually timed it but a a reviewer wrote about that game and said i pulled Mm -hmm. up a 12 minute shot i need to go back and you know and and time it but um um, if she's right about it it's, it's this 12 minute shot where we never we never we don't cut one time sometimes i go into slow motion sometimes i come out of it yeah, but yeah um we don't think it's ever been done before so as, as long as much as we're dealing with like some real interesting character stuff and subject matter you know we we just definitely felt like we needed to just raise the bar when it comes to the way we shoot basketball yeah and we didn't even talk about that part that that episode if people don't that episode was so intense like i remember seeing um, cause I think you, you touched on Matthew Cherry as well. One of the directors, I remember seeing, you know, him post on social media and I remember everybody was warning you did as well. Everybody was warning, like, get your tissues ready. 
because we did not ex I was not expecting like the way it starts off with just like each kid giving their um you know in the detention center each kid giving their advice on uh, or you know talking about their story beforehand how they feel their situation now you're not expecting that so yeah. it was it was amazing to see how you shot that Oh, thank you. And, you know, I do feel like that's powerful um, because there's, you know, look, the number one provider for people with mental health issues in this country are prisons and detention centers and places of incarceration. And so, you know, we really need to change that. But that's the great thing about ourselves that we can come in there and let them have a game in the detention center and show some amazing basketball, but also walk away with some insight that we didn't have before. Okay. And I know we're getting close to our time because I keep talking to you all day about this show because mm -hmm. I just love what it's done and, and what it creates. But I want to kind of ask you um, to kind of leave. What was your favorite? And this is probably going to be hard as a showrunner now. But do you mm -hmm. have a favorite episode, favorite moment, you know, or it may, even if it's something maybe that you wanted to get in the scene, you're like, maybe we should have did this scene in here. But I, even though I think everything was perfect the way it came together. Yeah, it is very, very hard. You know, I mean, there's just so many, many moments that I love. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, look, we're talking about one of our favorite moments, which is that basketball game. Yeah, and, yeah. And that particular um, hour itself. Um, I just really feel like if I had to sort of give you a moment or mm -hmm. it's it really just the vulnerability that our cast is able to bring this season. The vulnerability with Crystal and Jace, the vulnerability between Ike and Jace and Musa and Naeem, and then like the vulnerability we see in the finale when they're talking about their futures. Like I love how vulnerable they can be without losing their edge, and and yeah. that's one of the things we love about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's well put. I think that should be like a little tagline besides swagger. Cause they're very vulnerable without using like, you know, without losing their edge, you know, without yeah. pushing it too far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it just, just felt really organic and, and not forced. And, um, you know, it's just been, it's been really, really great. And just so, again, so grateful for all of our swagger ballers out there that are, are loving us up. So grateful for black girl nerds. Y'all one of the first people to just jump on and get behind us from even season one. So, um, you know, again, thank you. Hey, thank you. And I'm grateful. I hope you guys go check it out. I got to end, though, on the fan stuff. You know, we got to end on the fan question. With mm -hmm. Jace, with Crystal, are we waiting till season three to figure out if he goes Georgetown or UCLA? Yeah, we have to wait. Oh, he got us. He got us, y'all. We're going to be on the edge of the seat. Because that I was right. like, now, see, they pulled it out with that one. Because everybody's going to be on the edge of the seat waiting for the answer for that one. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much, Reggie. We appreciate it. I hope they get the contracts and everything straight because the actors, right. the crew, you guys killed it. I hope this mm -hmm. like goes into the future. I'm ready for the next two, three seasons to go. So hopefully everything mm -hmm. just comes together. And thank you again. I appreciate the time. I appreciate you, Ryan. Thanks so much. Welcome to the Black Grinners Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And you know what? Sometimes the hardest thing, and you guys can leave your comments, maybe you disagree with me, but I think the hardest thing is to be real with yourself, to put yourself out there. Like you could be with like two friends and you just don't want to reveal like all the secrets about yourself, all the things you've been going through. And especially when you're in the spotlight, I can't even imagine. So my guest today, whenever I see her on a TV show, even the new comedy special she has coming up, 
it's just so real and genuine. And I'm like, I can't believe she said that. But for me, it gives me another little push to be like, okay, it's all right. Somebody else is going through this. I can be real. I can talk about this, especially as a black woman, which is hugely important these days. Sus shares and made has joined us today. And she has a new comedy special coming up. And I'm so excited to talk to her. It's all about being 100%, being real, and just being comfortable with who you are. So I can't wait to dive in that with her. Y'all make sure y'all get your notepads out and take notes and dive into this with me. Um, Shasir, how you doing? I am good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. I'm glad we finally got to get together and talk about this. But the first question I want to ask you is what came first for you? Was it acting or comedy or was it like a mixture of both? Have you always done both? So I started more with comedy. I did musicals in high school and then did musicals in college. And then eventually one of my musical directors was like, you're funny. You should try out for the improv team. I tried out, did not make it, created my own improv group. And then the UCB touring company, the Uprisons Brigade Theater, came to my school and I was like, oh my God, they're so good. I should go wherever they came from, which was New York. And then yeah. I moved to New York thinking I was going to do more acting, like I thought I was going to do Broadway. But then the more I went to go see shows, the more I wanted to like do more improv and sketch. So I kind of fell down that rabbit hole and yeah so i would say more comedy came about but then eventually acting things came later well you can tell that because it's so easy i feel like your comedic timing on projects feels so easy like it's effortless i know it takes work but it feels like it's easy when you're looking at the projects because i remember woke and it wasn't even like your character was just like super smiling and funny it's just you would deliver these one-liners to keith and it was just like get out of here like i don't have time to talk to you and just would send us like rolling yeah, well, you some know, of that was real. Like That's that. just a real relationship <laughs> with oh, me and Oh, nice. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's even better when it's like impromptu and how you guys really feel. You can you can de definitely tell that on camera. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I feel very lucky that I've been able to get a lot of acting roles that feel like a version of me. So yeah. I feel like I can bring myself to the character and people appreciate that because I also write too. So it's easy for me to like improvise lines or like add some flavor that I feel like my personality would bring about for this character. So yeah, I, I hope that keeps happening in my career. Yeah, that well, it's exciting for us to watch. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed for you too. Um, writing, directing, speaking of that, um, and just, well, you're starring in your own comedy special. You did all the jobs for this. How was that? Like, where did you even start? Um, I actually didn't direct it. Scott Morin, uh, who was a friend okay, okay, and okay. actually directed on a, a show that I was on called Robbie on Comedy Central. Okay. He directed it. But yeah, I did write it and performed it and produced it. And uh, I guess I was trying to shop around the idea of doing a special like, I guess, before slash as the pandemic was starting, like around oh, okay. 2020. And the feedback I was getting was kind of like, we're not buying specials. We're not really doing that right now. And I was like, I don't want to wait. <laughs> I don't want to wait yeah. for someone to say yes to me, which I guess is the same initiative I had when I started my own improv group. I was like, I don't want to wait for a yes. I just want to do it. So exactly, no, one, yeah. no one can stop me from doing it. So I was like, I'll just self-produce this, which I've never done before, but I really, really enjoyed. I liked being able to find the venue, like figure out what the stage would look like. It was all just so exciting. And yeah, and then now that it's done, I'm going to self-release it. And and that's also cool too, because I have 
100% ownership of it, which is something I didn't have for my previous special. So I'm very excited to be able to say like, I own this piece of work and I can do whatever I want with it. Yeah, that's nice. I feel like we need a clap track because that's like a boss move right there. Like you got to make <laughs> sure. I feel like you got to be like really careful that a lot going on with the writers and everything. Now it's all about just having, you want to get credit for your work, point blank period. Yeah. And you know, Absolutely. just having that, that business mind offset is hard to kind of mm-hmm. teach. So I think that's going to be cool for people to go back, like look at those credits. It's like, okay, she wrote and produced this. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's a nice feeling to be in charge of your own mm-hmm. stuff because we put so much work into our own work and I want people to see it. And I don't want to feel like I compromised any part of the business side because it just felt like the easier thing to do. And by the way, you guys, the comedy special is called The First Woman. I should have mentioned that before we started talking. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, is it okay to say August 2nd? Um, we're still figuring out the date, but you can okay, say August. Okay. August. Okay. Yeah. August, guys. Be ready. Yeah. August. Okay. Yeah. So I want to talk about the entrance because you talked about venue and stuff like that. I love the entrance. Um, I love the outfit. Maybe I won't say anything about outfit. I'll let it be surprised because I thought it was very like <laughs> casual and cool. Like I was like, what? Thank you. you felt very laid back and cool. Yeah. We can talk about the outfit. It's a, uh, it's this jumpsuit. I love a jumpsuit. I yeah. wear jumpsuits all the time in my real life. I wore a jumpsuit for my first special and also I look really good in orange, but yeah, I just wanted me, my, my personhood to pop on the background, yeah. which is mostly like grays and greens and mm-hmm. black. And yeah, I, I felt like it was probably the best look that we chose and also with the first woman of it all, I kind of wanted a classical, like kind of Grecian feel to it. Something like that felt like, like I could have been the first woman or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like the, the, the tie on the jumpsuit kind of is reminiscent of like a toga or something. So yeah. Yeah. yeah there, I like there was it. It thought in all of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It definitely popped. Cause you had the shimmer and everything. I was like, now she making this work with the light. And you know, sometimes you got black people and stuff and the lighting is not like popping mm-hmm. on it. And I was like, yeah, she got it together where it's like, you need that little extra pop, something to bring it out. So I like, yeah. That. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, of course, all that thought went into it. Um, I've shot many a thing where I was shrouded in darkness because they didn't know how to light dark skin tones but we definitely like worked it out and tweaked mm-hmm. as much as we could and i had really great uh dps and and lighting people on it so yeah we we got it to a good place that it looks good one thing i want to talk because you said the covid um starting out in covid trying to shoot to come up with the idea a lot of people don't talk about how if you're a homebody you probably enjoy like there's a lot of stuff going on in the world you had to wear the mags you had to figure out how to order stuff get it to your house so it was a different mm-hmm. feel for people but if you're chilling at the house you just so much had to come up with an excuse. You were just like, okay, yes. I'm just sitting here today chilling. Yes, I truly thrived <laughs> during COVID. <laughs> I am an introvert, so and a homebody. So when they were say they were like, you have to stay home. I was like, thank you for telling me. Like, thank right, you. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad I have a reason to stay home and not like make up excuses as to why I can't be out and about. Because yeah, I'd rather be under a blanket watching Netflix or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah and now that we're back out in the world i'm like oh no can i just like pretend <laughs> i still have long covid oh no <laughs> yeah, just pretend like i just want to stay you know it's a couple more days just kind of stay in i know everybody's like yes. hybrid right like you can kind of do half and half Hmm. yeah i mean i I, th- I do think people are like 
more understanding if you bail just like yeah i don't know we're all we all came out with anxiety at the end of this it's yeah. okay if you don't want to see people like everything now i second guess i'm like mm, i probably shouldn't touch the handle i need the hand sanitizer like right beside me now like everything else is like a second thought now yeah like, which which is how we should have been thinking anyway like i can't believe yeah, i was ever on a plane without a mask and i'm like yeah. what was i thinking <laughs> like people coughing and everything right beside you like oof. yeah yeah what um can you talk a little bit about because i think this is the part that touched me the most you talk so much about like whether it was sex whether it was like um just um experiences that you learn from where people are like well you got to be careful of this because you might get scammed mm -hmm. but it was just being comfortable being you to put it short and to put it very mildly and i was curious when that happened for you because that's not an easy thing because you're like it kind of you know you're worried about every time you put something out social media you don't know if somebody's gonna be like all right. Okay. That's cool. I understand what she's coming from. Oh, but you need to do this and you need to change this. You need to do that. Mm hmm. Hmm. I guess I kind of just hope for the best. I, I do feel yeah, yeah. very comfortable in my skin now. Um, I'm in my mid thirties. <laughs> I've lived, I've lived life and, and I kind of just speak my truth. And I found in general throughout my comedy career, the more truthful I am and the more personal I make my stories and my jokes, the more people can relate. I think people get in trouble when you start being outward or like making people the butt of a joke or talking about experiences that you don't actually understand. And that's not really my thing. So yeah, yeah. I, I feel like as long as I'm staying true to myself, I think the audience can get on board with that. Yeah, it was it was really hilarious to kind of see them. It was almost like a little question and answer thing because you would ask them something and people were just readily. They were so comfortable. They were giving like all kind of like, well, I did this and I did yeah. this and sharing their stories and shouting things out on the stage. How does that feel like in real time? Because, you know, like you you talk about, you know, if we're doing a, um, we'll get to you have a podcast later on. I want to definitely want to talk about. But that kind of stuff is like recorded. Right. And we could kind of put it out later. You know, mm -hmm. or if you're on doing a TV show or something, like you don't get that real reaction. What is that like on stage for you? Oh, it's so great. I mean, there's a symbiotic relationship with the audience and the performer. Like I get energy from the audience's energy. Mm -hmm. So I need to know how they feel about a joke, how they feel about something I just said. So if it's like uproarious laughter, I can go in that direction. If it's kind of like tepid or, or even angry, <laughs> I might yeah. either ad address it or move on to something else. But... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I need the audience's thoughts and feelings in order to do my job better. And it's also just fun when the crowd is lively and ready to participate. And we shot in D.C. and D.C. is such a great comedy city. And the crowd was so hyped from beginning to end when we shot the special. And I was so grateful because that's what I need. That's what I need for yeah. me to get pumped up to do my job better. Yeah, that was it. The crowd was like, if you're either watching you, watching the crowd, you're going back and forth. It does feel like a conversation that you don't always get in specials because you never know. Like, you know, sometimes you go one way or the other. The crowd is just like, oh, well, I don't know mm -hmm. what I'm supposed to say on this. I don't know if I'm supposed to react or just kind of sit here and look. So that was kind of like a cool thing to, to kind of see that play out. I'm for one story, though, I kind of want to touch on because I want to give them too much because I want them to check it out and, and yeah. be shocked like I was, be surprised because I was like, man she's coming with the realness like there's nothing being held back and usually it's hard for sometimes hard for black women for women to just be comfortable be like look this is what i'm going through deal with it you know mm -hmm. point blank period yeah um but it was the story you told um i forgot where you say you were taking a vacation at i think with one of your girlfriends oh i think in costa rica 
Yeah, that story yeah. where they were talking about the guy was like, well, I guess you're going to have to learn the hard way if you want to go out. <laughs> like, you know, like you needed a protector. And you were kind of yeah. like, you were bossing up like, I mean, I don't know what else you think I need to learn, but I think we'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, th I spent most of my like early 20s, I guess, getting duped. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and so to have someone like, yeah, we were in Costa Rica and we wanted to like, go to some bars downtown or something and and the people at the hotel were like uh oh you probably need like a chaperone like a male mm -hmm. chaperone you can't just like go out as two women and i was like are you kidding me <laughs> i have seen it all i yeah. have seen it all if you're trying to trick me you're too late i've already exactly, been yeah. tricked and trapped and all the all the things that my head's on a swivel i i get it <laughs> and uh and that's a nice place to be it's, I, and i do think, think that comes with age and experience and I don't regret anything. I'm glad I've gone through all the experiences I've gotten to because they got me here to a place where I feel very safe and secure in my skin. Yeah, it's it's like, I always hate when somebody's thinking like, just cause you're a woman, you know, you're having a good time. Oh, something that Evelyn is gonna happen that's gonna be wrong. Like I need to protect yeah. you from, from going through this experience or going out. And I thought that was so important for people to hear that just out on the town for a day, just trying to chill and have mm -hmm. fun. There's always somebody that's like, Oh, you don't know what this is gonna happen though. You know, yeah. if you out with a girlfriend that's got your back, you'll be all right. You know, just yeah. pay attention to what your surroundings are. You'll be all right. You just gotta pay attention. I mean, that being said, dangerous stuff happens all the time. Right. True. <laughs> to that is to true. anybody. Yeah. But but I don't think there needs to be like a damsel in distress uh thought process when it comes to yeah. women being able to like live their lives. <laughs> okay, switching, let's switch gears here because it's not just about sometimes just getting your, you know, the television career going you know, the accolades and all that, you give back as well. I want to talk about the activism work you've been doing with uh, ACLU. Yeah, yeah. And um, by the way, you had this fun cooking video on YouTube that I thought was bomb. I was like, this is a way to kind of get everybody to, you know, pay attention and kind of correct. Can you talk a little bit about that and why that was important for you? Yeah, yeah. I've been working with the ACLU since I think 2014. And it's been a really good relationship because I've written essays for them. I've made videos. I've done talks for them. And, and it's nice to be able to like get my audience to understand what issues need to be tackled right now. And then also get their audience to like understand, understand terms in like a more like comedic way. Cause I do mm. think that comedy helps people embrace more information as opposed to like a Ted talk or something like that, or, um, some, some dry essay. But yeah, the video, they approached me about the cooking video to talk about forced pregnancy, because um, yeah. that is an issue in our country right now, where a lot of states are taking the right to abortion away. I mean, it's, it's, it is gone. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and so that was kind of like a visual representation of, uh, I guess, the anger that I think a lot of women have, including me and also uh how unfair it is and i mean i think people got a lot out of that video i mm. i hope they share it um you know of course things are turning out how they have turned out but i hope that comedy and and art in general can bring people together to talk about these issues and work on them so that hopefully one day they can change 
yeah you guys go check that out on the aclu youtube page it was so hilarious to see that because i you key everybody up like you're just gonna go straight up into a cooking video and you're mixing like these very things we're catching like wait a minute wait a minute pregnancy and i don't have the right to choose so mm-hmm. i think that is so creative how that was um thrown in there all right Let's talk about some female empowerment here. We're going to change up, bring it up the mood a little bit here because Lord knows we need it with what's going on in the government. Um, the Agatha Coven of Chaos. Now, yeah. the Marvel contract, people know, comes with a lock. Comes with mm-hmm. a lock on it. So yes. what can you tease and tell us? I can say this is a very female show. It's very witchy. It's spooky. It's sexy. It's a lot. It's a, There's so much going on in the show. I don't think anyone can predict what this show is going to be about. Nice. Um, and I just loved working on a set that was so female forward. Like all of our directors are women. Uh, most of the producers are women. All the, most of the writers were women. Most of the cast are women. It just felt so good and collaborative. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I'm excited for people to see what we cooked up. Yeah, I'm ex- I think it's anything is cool when it's dealing with like witches and powers and potions and spells. Like I was a big charm fan back in the day. So I can't wait. To then see you'll love this. <laughs> okay, I'm excited. I can't wait yeah. to see how this is going to this is going to play out. But you're not a stranger to the Marvel Universe, though. You were in uh, Moon Girl and the Devil Dinosaur. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, as uh, Lunella's mom. Yeah. And it's such a fun show to be a part of. And I mm. love that there's a Black family that displayed this way and the animation's so cool and the music's so cool yeah i love being able to be a part of that show that's cute new girl's mom you guys that's so cute if you guys haven't seen that like you gotta sit down and watch like um you know with your family and it's such mm-hmm. like like a young black girl on screen you know we gotta keep those we gotta keep those numbers going up and just um you know support and stuff like she's so smart too and brilliant on top of it so that's yeah she's apparently one of the smartest superheroes in the marvel universe mm-hmm. like she and she's a 13 year old black girl and i would have loved to have that when i was yeah. a 13 year old black girl when i was mm-hmm. young i would have loved to have a superhero that looked like me with like an afro puff and roller skates and you know i think it would have gotten a lot I'm, I'm still getting a lot out of it so i'm glad that younger generations are enjoying it now too yeah and it's, it's so cute and the fashion is just on point y'all gotta go check it out it's so it's yeah. such a cute uh watch to do um we're gonna stay on the marvel train here because you know i gotta ask your favorite marvel character i gotta keep it with marvel Ooh, my favorite marvel character damn that's really hard um i know, I know. Uh, okay i love how sarcastic iron man is <laughs> and <laughs> and also his and his movies are genuinely great um yeah. I would say Storm, you know, in the comics, like she's not, yeah. unfortunately, she hasn't actually been in movies that much. Like we had Halle Berry, we had like a little bit of the new stuff, but like we need more. <laughs> we need yeah, more of a, yeah, of a yeah, Storm yeah. story. Um, I love Black Panther. I've been watching Loki like lately and it really made me love that character. Um, Same here. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I th- that I that I didn't narrow it down to one. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but <laughs> hey, I I asked for that because when it comes yeah. to Marvel, like I could give you about five or six people that I'm like, oh, I like that person. I want to take that yeah. person, that character from that person. There's uh, so many. Be, yeah, I was gonna say, what would be your? Uh, we know you're gonna get some superpowers, but before you, we get the ones that you we don't know about. What would be your superpower? Like, what superpower would you want to have? 
I think um, teleportation. If I could like snap my fingers and just be somewhere else, it would be key. Because I'm also usually running late to places. So it'd be so nice if I could just be like, whoop. I don't have to deal with traffic. I don't have to deal with travel. I'm just there. Oh, that would be, that's a good one. That is a yeah. really good one. Especially now, like everybody's back on the roads. Like sometimes it's hybrid, five o'clock traffic. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that would, mm -hmm. that would be a good one. Yeah. Gotta just be able to zap somewhere. Okay. Last question. I'm gonna let you go because you're booked and busy and you got things to do. Um, the last thing I want to talk to you about, you have a podcast, Best Friends, uh, yes. with Nicole Byer. So hilarious. You guys, if you have not checked this out, such a good time, fun conversation. The last thing I remember you guys talking about was like muffins and sweets. And I wanted something so bad. I was like, I just need some kind of pastry or something right now. Cause you guys made oh, it no. sound so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It depends on what mood we're in. If we're just like hungry, we will probably talk about food. Um, but the, the show is fun to do because it's just how me and Nicole would be talking to each other, even if we didn't have microphones in front of our face. We're just like yeah. having a conversation. And I, I have so much fun doing the show. And the show itself is about friendship. It's like about our friendship but then we also talk about friendship in general and people can write in questions about friendship and i've been honestly surprised about the array of questions that people could have regarding friendship like you know my friend's a new mom how can i su help support or like mm -hmm. i'm in a new town and i don't know how to find new friends and it's kind of made us ask questions about our own fr friendship and like and it's really made us think about friendship more than we would have if we weren't doing this show and i, I really appreciate it yeah so it's, it's a good time you guys go check it out you know just listen like chill out on the couch i don't know maybe if you're on a road trip with your girlfriends you could pop it on with a couple episodes because it's mm -hmm. so relaxed and fun like sometimes things are just too rigid sometimes and it's just a chill back like they're doing google searches you guys get the google <laughs> search on while you listening to the show um it's such a good time yeah so what we got so we got um the first woman we got mm -hmm. agatha we looking forward to go check out best friends and yeah, i mean it's just a good time so it's a thank good you time. so much for joining me yes thank you i really appreciate it The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify. Spotify.